0: Um, as you go there, I don't know if you were like me, but I grew up playing this game with my family that was wonderful for sibling bonding abuse and rivalry. It's called Slug Bug. Anybody played Slug Bug? Oh, come on. People, yeah. what, you see a, a Volkswagen bug driving down the road? I loved it when the new bugs came out, because when the new bugs came out, you were guaranteed to hit your brother more, right? It's, it's wonderful. You see it, you hit them, you yell it, and the one at the end of the day wins the points. Well, my family has taken it beyond just Volkswagens. Now, whenever somebody sees a Tesla, they all of a sudden start yelling Tesla. I think Elon Musk has done his job somehow because my kids know what a Tesla is. It also may be because there's a supercharging station right around the corner from our house. You guys, right, right next to Safeway. So there's Teslas there all the time. And at that supercharging station, you go up to it, if you own a Tesla, which would be amazing, you go up into it, you, and it's, it's their gas station. It, it, same idea. 15 minutes, and no, it's not, you it can save you 15% or more in car insurance. That's another 15 minutes. 15 minutes, you will charge your car up to 200 miles, depending on the model. Some of them's lower, some of them's less. And so it's a supercharging station. You come in, you fill up, and then the drivers, the, you go, they go about doing whatever they want with whoever they want whenever they want to do it, right? That's kind of the freedom that we have. Now, I think, and as we go into this new series, I think a lot of us look at our lives as disciples of Jesus and as Christians, and many people, I believe, in our day look at our life as Christians as we are the Tesla and these these various things are the supercharging station. So I, an individual, can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. But then I'm going to go and plug into a supercharging station for a while. I get built in. I get my battery filled. But then I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whomever I want. Sometimes this is our quiet time, right? We wake up in the morning. And these are good things. But we wake up in the morning. We, we, we pray. We read. We plug in for a minute and then we unplug and all of a sudden we're sovereign. We can do whatever we want with whomever we want wherever we want to do it. We, sometimes it's our missional community and our, and our DNA groups. They're our charging station. We go into them, we plug in, we, we get fed, feed me, remind me, encourage me, but then we unplug from them and we go about doing whatever we want with whomever we want whenever we want to do it. So oftentimes people look at the gathering as that too. I, I'm going to come in. I'm going to show up. I'm going to plug into the charging station, feed me, encourage me, do this work for me. But then I'm, I unplug, and now I'm going to go about doing my life however I want, whatever I want to do. And we, we see this, and we have this rhythm of that sometimes, right? And, we, and I know I've gotten into the routine of this. It's like, okay, oh, I, just, I, need, I need to plug in somewhere. But we wonder, man, Why am I so tired? Why am I so discouraged? Why am I not living the fulfilled, flourishing life of Jesus when all I'm doing is plugging into some of his stuff then unplugging and going about living my life the way I want to live it? Today we are beginning a a series with a church-wide emphasis. You see a a little folder in front of you um, that we're going to dive into and it's all about growing as disciples and being filled and nourished by Jesus himself. So this is coming out of a lot of conversation. We've surveyed the body. We've, um, we've had meetings. And it really came clear that we need to spend a really um, extended time feeding into our lives as individual disciples. Now that life is one that is continually connected to Jesus, not just at charging station moments of our life. So if our lives, oh excuse me, our lives cannot and will not be nourished by Jesus, if we don't take the time to address the busyness of our hearts and of our lives. So let's look back at this passage again, John chapter 15 I'm going to reread verse 4 and 5. It says this, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing so what does it mean to abide right if you uh, in a different translation you may see the word to remain Uh, Jesus gives us this new mental image for us to understand what it means for us to be in relationship to him he is a vine and we are the branches notice any moment that the branch is disconnected from the vine itself what happens starts to deteriorate, it starts to slowly die. The nourishment that it was supposed to receive, it's no longer receiving. The nutrients will, and it will eventually stop bearing fruit. This is a picture of constant, consistent connection. Not going into a charging station, plugging in, and then unplugging. This is a moment by moment, breath by breath, a connection, remaining, staying connected to him. I love how the the message translation says this, or the paraphrase, excuse me. Verse four, it says, live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I want you to think of it like this for a moment. Uh, you invite somebody over to your house and you go about doing great biblical hospitality, right? You, you welcome them in. You, you take their jacket because it's going to probably start raining any mo- minute because we're in the Northwest and it's September. And then you walk them in. You, start, you offer them a drink. You get them seated. You, have a, uh, uh, you get the meal ready, all that stuff. And it's all about developing relationships. It's all about being connected with them, learning their story, sharing, sharing good things around the table. Now, I want you to imagine if you were to welcome somebody into your house, but then you completely ignore them. Like, hey, welcome in. Love to have you here. And then you just walk away. Every so often you do a little nod. Hey, how's it going? And then you ignore them again. You, you don't, they aren't don't, making their home with you in, their, in your home, You're not welcoming them. You're not really connected to them. In many ways, this is what it's like when we say, hey, I'm going to welcome Jesus in my heart. I'm going to profess faith in Jesus and then do nothing about it. Where we just welcome them in and then all of a sudden we're not constantly connected. We're not constantly learning, being one with Because the thing about this metaphor is Jesus isn't just a guest in our house. He actually is now the Lord of the house. He now rules the house. He's in charge of the house. I love how Paul says it this way. It's no longer I, but it's Christ that lives through me. So he's the one that comes in, not just as a guest, but Lord. And he sees our house and he says, hey, this is not working well. There's this black mold in your heart over here in your house that we really need to go after and address. We need to go there, but we'll never know that that's there if we're turning our backs on our guests. So to abide is to have constant, consistent connection, and we brothers and sisters need to be reminded, encouraged, and practiced with meeting Jesus often, regularly, consistently connected so that he can live through us. That's what it means. Moment by moment, consistently, constantly connected. But here's the question for us. Why don't we? What are the barriers in our lives that limit us from being connected that way? What, what are the things that are drawing our attention away from the branch so that we're no longer being nourished in the ways that we need to be nourished by the branch. The next four weeks, we're going to look at four different barriers. The one that we're looking at today is busyness. Uh, A few nights ago, we were making dinner, um, and we were going over our calendar and something, and then all of a sudden Darian out of just kind of nowhere, we weren't talking about it, she, out of nowhere she, nowhere, she was like, ugh, I miss early COVID. I'm like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> like the confusion of COVID? Like the day-to-day news changing that life's about to be twist-turned upside down? No Will Smith connection there. It just came out that way. Like what, like, what part of it were you... And, and intuitively, I knew it wasn't any of that. But it was the, the piece is the wrong word. It was that we had no obligations. Everything in our life was kind of stripped away. Like we were home, and when we got home, we weren't going anywhere. We, we were there, and it was, it was restful. We had times at home, more times at home than we've had in a, a long time. In essence, what happened is we were forced to stop being busy, and we experienced rest. We experienced peace in in the midst of it. Now, we're now 18 months removed from that. And we no longer are in a place where we're forced to not be busy. If you're like me, the opportunities to fill your schedule have all but ramped up in the last few months. I know a lot of people's summer, they put so much travel in this summer to make up for multiple summers. Right? It's like, oh, I gotta, we got to do this, we got to do this. Like, oh, and now school's back in. So if, you're, if your kids are in school, you have PTA, you have all these things that are vying for your attention, more and more opportunities to be busy. So, how do we know if we're actually busy? Let me give you three quick questions to help you discover this for yourself. Number one, when you look at your calendar, do you feel rest or anxiety? When you open up your phone, or if you're old school and you have a day timer still, which I love, you open that up, and you start looking at the next week, the next two weeks, three weeks, a month. Are you like, okay, this is good. Or all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my goodness, i got to run to the store for this. Oh, there's this coming. And you, you start to build an anxiety just by looking at a piece of paper or a, a, a screen in front of you. Second question, compared to 16 months ago, how many family meals do you have compared to then? Side note, if you, for parents here, if you want to pass on your faith, if you want your kids to be emotionally regulated, you want them to be less likely to um, experiment with drugs and alcohol, more academically successful, you want to know how you do that? Eat with them around the dinner table. It's that Simple. Because what's happening? Hey, what's your highlight for the day? What's your low light for the day? How did that make you feel? Like, what were you experiencing at that time? What was, hey, let's, let's open up the Bible. Is it a guarantee 100%? No, but it's more likely simply by just having a meal around a table. Now, think about 16 months ago and how many you're having now. Is it more or less? Are, are you more drawn to having that time? Or are you having less of those times? Third question. If we were to look at our schedules, would they be radically different than our non-believing friends? By your actions, could others tell that you place a value in God making his home in you? Because if we have a new Lord, if Jesus is our vine, and he is also the actual one that rules our house... If our lives look the same as our non-believing friends, we may not be living according to a different Lord than they are. So by your life, can you tell that you place a value in God making his home in us? Our lives cannot and will not be nourished by Jesus if we don't take the time to address this and address it in two different ways. One, in the busyness of our hearts and secondly, in the busyness of our heart, our, of our lives. So let's first look at our hearts. Ronald Rollheiser says this. We, for every kind of reason, good and bad, are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. It's not that we have anything against God, depth and spirit. We would like these. It's that we are habitually too preoccupied to have any of these show up on our radar screens. We are more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual, and more interested in the movie theater, the sports stadium, and the shopping mall, and the fantasy life they produce in us than we are in church. Pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major blocks today within our spiritual lives. Notice that he says we're more interested in, we're more preoccupied with. This is more about our hearts than just our actions. And if I'm honest with you, this one hits very, very close to home for me. My flesh, my, um, my sin nature, continually tells me the lie that I'm only as valuable as what I'm able to accomplish. The more I accomplish the more valuable i am the more i do the more i'm lovable and if i'm lovable that makes me acceptable so what do i have to what does that mean i better get my behind to work see that how that lie shows up here but it doesn't start with actions in me it starts with a lie i'm only as lovable acceptable as what i'm able to accomplish for me to be nourished in this is to say, no, my value is not in what I do and what I accomplish. It's in Jesus and what he's done and what he's accomplished for me. It's his works, not my works. It's how he looks at me, not how others look at me. That is the nourishment that I need because my heart will get very busy if I continue to believe that lie. Now, for you, it may not be the same thing. It may be something else that motivates you, that fuels you to be disconnected from the vine as the branch. For you, it may be FOMO, fear of missing out. I mean, I, you want to do more, you, you look at the gram and you start to see all the things that are going on. They're like, I want to be invited to that party. Why didn't I get And all of a sudden, you're like, well, I got to do more to be able to get to be at that. It may be entertainment. I mean, how many times have you heard a friend tell you about a, a new show on Netflix and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, let me add that to the list of 15 other shows I have to do, right? And then you create a busyness around catching up on entertainment. It may not be FOMO. It may just be straight-up fear. It may be that you want to make sure your kids, for parents, have the best opportunities. And if they don't have the best opportunities, they won't be successful. It may be that they, you want them to not experience what you experience, so you do everything you can to busy up their lives and your lives to make sure that they have what they need, but it all starts with the busyness of the heart. I love how Paul encourages the Philippians. He says this, do not be anxious or busy of the heart. Don't be busy of the heart about anything, but in everything, in pray, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. If you're suffering from um, anxiety of the heart, busyness of the heart, the very antidote that we have, we're calling the church to is prayer. You're busy of the heart, prayer is the way with thanksgiving that we can make our uh, requests made known to God and he can begin to, by his very presence and constant connection, bring healing to that. But that's the first thing. The second part of it is busyness of our lives. This is the outcome of a busy or anxious heart. Uh, Michael Zigarelli from Charleston Southern University School of Business um, conducted an obstacles of growth survey of over 20,000 Christians across the world. And he identified busyness as a major distraction from spiritual life. So listen to this cycle that he lays out. He says, It may be the case that first... Christians are assimilating to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, which leads to, two, God becoming more marginalized in Christians' lives, which leads to, three, a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to, four, Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live which leads to five, more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload. And then the cycle begins all again. Boil it down. Busyness leads to marginalization, which leads to less of a relationship with God, which leads to being more vulnerable and tempted with the way the world offers. That leads us to more busyness, and the cycle begins and begins and begins. Notice that what is, makes us vulnerable in this study... It starts with busyness. It starts there, and then it leads to that. This is about a busy life. One of the things I loved about the early days of Soma um, is that we, as the church abroad, was consuming a like busying ourselves with a lot of Christian activities. This group, that group, this study, that study, all these things. And what we tried to do was we tried to deconstruct that a little bit, re church. So we got to the point where was, what's, bu- what's getting in the way of biz- what's making us busy that's getting in the way of mission. So let's, let's remove those things, make it really simple so that you have space in your life for mission. And this was wonderful. It initially invigorated lives. It initially was really, really good to get us going in that way. But as we engaged in culture, what my fear is that we assumed too much about the personal nourishment that people were getting as they went out there, as we'll talk about next week. So I know some people that got so connected in this cycle that they've they've deconstructed the faith totally. And so rather than... um, Trying to think through, okay, we need to allow space for this. It's asking the question. Back up for a second. We busied ourselves instead of with Christian activities with just normal, everyday, worldly activities. And in doing so, we lost the very constant, consistent connection that we need if we're going to abide in Jesus. Is that the only thing? No. And we need to go back to the basics. And that's what we're going to be doing over the next few months. So practically, what does this look like? Uh, Pete Scazzaro, um, author of Emotionally Healthy Church and Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, a few books, he said this this last week, Rushing is violent to your soul, to those you love, and to those around you. Be still before him and ask, What might I be doing that God is not asking me to do? So, quick snapshot of your life. Are there things in your life right now that God's not asking you to do? Because every yes to that answer means you're disconnected from the vine and you're now living your life however you want, whatever you want, doing whatever, wherever you want. Are there things that are filling your calendar, creating a sense of busy, hurry, and results that's hindering your ability to abide in Jesus? These are the areas that we need to address. In a bit, we're going to lay out what this practically looks like, but let me uh, close before we dialogue in this. Walter Adams, the spiritual director to C.S. Lewis, said this, To walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. Our lives cannot and will not be nourished by Jesus if we don't take time to address the busyness of our hearts and our lives. And so here's what we're going to do. Around your table, there's going to be some questions potentially on the screen if the computer stops going all kaputs on us. Maybe not. I'll say them for you, okay? The, the question, if somebody may want to write these down. So question number one, in what ways do you find your heart busy or anxious? In what ways do you find your heart busy or anxious? And then two, what parts of your life do you see increasingly busy? What do you need to adjust to ensure that you're able to slow down and be nourished by Jesus? So take about, yeah, heart and lives. First one, where do you find your heart busy? And secondly, your lives. What part of your life do you see increasingly busy? And then the third question is, what do you need to adjust to ensure you're able to slow down and be nourished by Jesus?